Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast. Coming up, Arsenal bring a five-star performance against City. Chelsea show United they're made of harder stuff, while Spurs and Aston Villa are unbeaten and complete the top three. Who saw that coming? Joining myself, Kate Borsey, it's Lindsay Hooper and former lioness Siobhan Chamberlain. Hi, Shiv. Hey, Shiv. Hello. Post-international break, it feels like we're back with a bang, doesn't it? It does. Back with a bang and back with a lot of goals. As a goalkeeper, I'm glad I wasn't conceding them all. Um, But yeah, it's great to watch, isn't it? So much entertainment. You're right about all the goals, Shiv. And I think we had that outstanding performance from Becky Spencer, didn't we, in goal the one week. But are there any other goalkeeping displays that amongst all of that you can pick out and think, yeah, they did really well? Yeah, no, Becky Spencer, you've got to signal her out. She she had a fantastic performance against Manchester City, didn't she? I was there to watch it and it's so good to see goalkeepers playing well, especially in the games when they're not expected to win and to, and to put on those kind of performances. So I think for me, Becky Spencer's definitely the standout so far this season. Should we get tucked into the games then? We've got so much to talk about today. Lindsay, I know you were there for a couple as well, so we'll grab your pitch side insight. Let's start then at the top of the table. You're listening to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Swung back in. And Williamson's there. And that is number five for Arsenal to cap off what has been a fine, fine night at Boreham Wood for the new WSL leaders. Well, McMeadamar led the line as Arsenal laid down a serious marker and injury hit City. Couldn't lay a glove on the Gunners. It was a brace for Kim Little, goals for Miedemar, Kater McCabe and Leah Williamson to make it a very convincing 5-0 win for the Gunners. Shiv, what a fantastic display by Arsenal. How many or how much of a concession do we have to make for City's injuries list? Yeah, to a certain extent, obviously, when you miss the players that they've got out, it's going to hit you hard. Obviously, Ellie Roebuck, Lucy Bronze, Steph Horton, Kira Walsh, they're all key players in their, in their starting lineup. But at the same time, you look at the, the players that they've got, you look across their back line, they're all full internationals. Yes, Georgia Stanway was playing out of position, but she has played well at right back before. Alex Greenwood, Alana Kennedy... They're both very experienced internationals and Demi Stokes at left back. And then you you look forward through that team. Janine Becky, she's just won the Olympics. Lauren Hemp, probably one of the young outstanding players in the league so far. Caroline Weir, dominant at at the Olympics. It's not like you look at that team and say, yeah, they're a lot weaker. They've still got so much talent across there that you'd expect, you wouldn't expect them to lose 5 0 to Arsenal. Lindsay, you were there for this one. Arsenal were so direct, weren't they? And you must have really, really seen the impact of that being close up. Yeah, absolutely. And Tim Stillman said to us, hasn't he, that, you know, everyone talks about the Arsenal way and they hark back to years ago and think that it's going to be this possession-based style football and ticker-tacker and... This isn't how Arsenal are playing. It isn't how Jonas Eideveld is setting this Arsenal team up. It is direct. It is looking for those longer balls forward. And they've got the quality and the pace to be able to execute that. Um, it was an impressive display. Um, there's no denying that from an Arsenal point of view. Coming back to what Shiv was saying about City, I understand what she means about the, the international experience. But I think whether you've got internationals or not... Part of the problem with this is that when players haven't played together for a very consistent amount of time, there, there were clearly gaps and there were, there were errors that led to the first two goals. Now, if you take those errors away, 
this is still going to be an Arsenal victory. But as Jonas admitted himself, you know, this could come down to goal difference by the end of the season. And he told me in the post-match interview with Sky Sports that he's actually lost a title on goal difference. There is no let-up in these matches. He's certainly not going to take Arsenal's foot off the gas. He's going to want to rack up those goals because that's exactly what we saw Chelsea do over the same weekend as well. And if it does come down to that, it could be about putting five past Arsenal instead of putting three past them. But the the couple of errors wouldn't have helped. Um, And I I do wonder about them going forward defensively. you mentioned about about Stamway at right back. There were a couple of really clumsy challenges from her early on. I thought that one of them was quite easy, easily a yellow card, actually. And I think you have to be careful. And we, we make a bit of leeway for her for the fact that she doesn't play in that position. That is an ordinary position. But there aren't very many options. And um, you've got to be careful and and basically make sure that you don't cross over that line too much you don't want City to be even in further trouble I suppose the positive is that Kira Walsh looks like she was warming up she looks like she's she's potentially going to be back for the next game and I wonder what that could bring to the midfield Shiv yeah she's she's definitely a player that they've missed she controls the situations in there she links front to back really well she she picks those passes and she also shields that that back line I think for me the biggest thing is without Steph Horton in there, who was who was leading that team when they went a goal down, when they went two, who was taking control to say, look, we need to we need to stop doing the same mistakes, potentially do what Arsenal did. Yes, we want to play football, we want to play it, making it look pretty, playing out from the back. But as you said, when they've got players that haven't necessarily played together so much. Sometimes that's not the right way to win. It might be the pretty way when it works, but it's about being effective. And Arsenal did that really well. And I think for Manchester City, having Kira back in will help them massively. Um, I think having Ellie Roebuck will be, will be really important as well. I'm not sure how much longer she's going to be out for. But it's that stability and that kind of leadership and decision-making when things aren't going for you, who's taking control of that team? It's safe to say that Alex Greenwood, whether it was because she was having a bad day or or because she was still a bit injured, made a few errors. So did Alana Kennedy. I mean, if we look at the first goal, just just to get into some of the detail, um, that was an Alana Kennedy back pass to Taib. It was botched. That resulted in the goal for Viv Miedemar. For Kim Little's goal, the second goal for Arsenal, there were three players, three City players around her, but but they couldn't deal with her. I think Greenwood, possibly Kennedy in there as well, maybe Stanway. But she was she was surrounded by players who just couldn't make it count. Um, they weren't engaged in their final third as well, City. They were slow. Um, and uh, for the third goal, Katie McCabe's goal, Alana Kennedy playing McCabe on. So it was like, it, it, it was just a catalogue of errors in your goalkeeper, with your goalkeeper hat on. They've really got to be. They've really got to be so much better than that city because they're in danger already of having made themselves out of contention for the title. They have, and individually, you look at those players: Alex Greenwood, Kennedy. On paper, they are fantastic players. They're great defenders. They're great on the ball, and that's why they play for Manchester City. They didn't put in good performances. They'd probably be the first people to tell you, "Look, hands up! I made mistakes which cost us goals." But for me, as a goalkeeper, you need someone behind you that you know is going to dominate their area, that will make your decision for you sometimes. They can see everything. As a goalkeeper, you can see everything that's going on in front. You can see if you're being pressed down. You can see the danger that's coming. And you give your defender those instructions and take away any doubt from them to make them make those decisions. It might just be, just clear the ball and we'll have the discussion afterwards. It doesn't matter if you if it's not the right the prettiest thing to do if you're launching it out of play but you're get, you're clearing the danger and that's what a good goalkeeper can can help you do and i just don't think that the relationship between those three looked like any particular one of them was necessarily dominating those decisions and it was creating questions and that's what led to the errors after the game gareth taylor said that the side are going to stick to their principles. Mistakes are mistakes. In other words, we don't necessarily need to panic. We don't need to change anything about the way that we play. But there are there are a few rumours of discontent in the city camp about Gareth Taylor's position. Linz, I wonder if you had any insight or anything was mentioned at the game at all. 
I mean, no, I mean, that's something they're going to keep quite close to their chest, isn't it? All I can say is that whenever you put a question to him, he answers it. He doesn't shy away from anything. They were forthcoming at the final whistle as well. Demi Stokes spoke to us. And and I think that, you know, collectively, when you when you see them together, they seem to be enjoying each other's company. It doesn't look like there's fractions within the team. I think it's probably just a weighing down of injuries, the start to the season, potentially as well, the fixtures, you know, they've had a couple of tough fixtures, haven't they, early on? It's quite it's quite a big test. And we know that you can't drop that many points in a 22-game WSL season. If you get a couple of defeats in seasons gone by, that means that you're out of the title race. Now, I put that to him and he didn't feel that was the case and it was too early to say. Uh, Wondershiv as well, given the competition and, and how much you've seen of the league so far this season, whether you think there's a little bit more room for manoeuvre because teams like Brighton or Spurs might end up taking a few points off the bigger teams. Yeah, I definitely think that the the strength in depth in the league is improving and those teams around that mid-table level can take points occasionally off the, the top three, the top four. It won't be regular enough for them to creep into that top four, but it will be enough to unsettle the the numbers up there and, and create a little bit more excitement potentially towards the end of the season. We obviously saw Brighton beat Chelsea last year. Tottenham have just beaten Man City. There will be games where there's upsets. But at the moment, Arsenal look like nobody has any chance of upsetting them. And, and Chelsea are back in their stride. And it, it, between those two, they're, they're definitely the ones that have started a lot more sharper than anybody else. Well, next up for Arsenal, Spurs in the FA Cup. They'll be looking for the North London Derby double. And we might see a full 90 for Tobin Heath. There was a little flash of her. I got I got very excited when I was watching it back. Lindsay, I felt very jealous. She's one of your favourites, isn't she? Yeah, she's my total favourite. She's my football girl crush. I adore her. I have done for years. I'm not new to the party on this, by the way. The Tobin Heath fan club might have been set up by me. I can't uh, I can't confirm either way. Um, what did you see of her? And do you think we will see her against Spurs? Uh, yeah, I think she could possibly, in order to get some more minutes under her belt, I think we could probably see 90, you know, get her up to, to speed in this North London derby because she came on as a substitute. Uh, in the match at the weekend. And uh, yeah, the I think I actually took a, an Instagram video of, of her coming on because the noise from the home crowd, they're so excited about this signing and you can understand why. Kristen Press as well was in the director's box near me and she was watching on. And um, at the end, um, this is something that people wouldn't have seen as much because this is way after the final whistle. I think we're talking about half an hour afterwards. Tobin Heath came back out on the pitch and there was a fan there um, and she went over to go and have a, a conversation, do some signings. And I actually spoke to the fan and, and her father as they were on their way out and they were absolutely delighted. But it's those bits that you see in the game that you think, oh, I just wish the cameras were like still on to show the interaction that they have with the fans, how much it means, the amount of Heath shirts as well that people had already. Uh, there is a lot of euphoria around her arrival and going to Arsenal, isn't there, Shiv? There is, and I'm sure the Manchester United fans are incredibly jealous that they didn't get that that moment. They didn't have that experience while she was at Manchester United. It was all behind closed doors, and they probably feel like they, they've massively missed out because she was such a such a key player for them while she was fit. Obviously, had that big injury, and probably coincided with, with Manchester United's decline from from the top of that table. Um, but with a with a neutral hat on it's so good to see a player of her caliber and her experience and just her personality in the WSL still this season well it was a goal fest weekend the other bulk of the goals came from Chelsea they were away at Manchester United it finished 6-1 at Lee Sports Village and it felt like a new marker was put down in the league Kirby Harder Kerr Spence and a first goal as well for Jesse Fleming. I just want to start off with these six goals, Kate, because Chelsea looked really unstoppable in this one. Yeah, they did. And I think this was their chance to kind of lay their marker, really, Linz. Uh, they were very, very convincing. Frank Kirby with her 50th goal of the WSL, which is remarkable, really, considering she's not an out-and-out striker, is she? So fair play to her. 
Uh, the highlight goal for me was Penilla Harder. I mean, she was absolutely immense. A really, I mean, the, the kind of her sort of power and pace, her run as she just blasted everyone else, muscled everyone else out and uh, hit the back of the neck and net. And you can see why, you know, she was UEFA Player of the Year last year. Uh, she's she's showing her excellence now, Penilla Harder. We know that she's got this in her locker and, and this season she certainly seems to be flourishing with it as well. Um, there was a Sam Kerr goal, I think, which was offside, but still stood. Uh, two goals for Sam Kerr in total. Great to see Drew Spence as well coming on and getting a goal. And the same for Jesse Fleming. And this was a really good use of Emma's subs bench. You know, all her subs coming on and making a real difference. I had to chuckle as well because she did use Kirby for a few corners too after the <laughs> after international, international break. International game, yes. she'd, she, she'd been a pundit saying, <laughs> I have never seen Frank Kirby take so many corners and then up she steps for a couple uh, throughout that. <laughs> Uh, I, I thought from a, a Manchester United point of view, and I, I, Shiv, you know, as your former club, at 4-1, I I felt that they then gifted the final two goals to, to Chelsea. They should have shut up shop more. And do you think that is a little bit of naivety and under a new manager and having a few newer players? I'd probably be slightly harsher and say at 0-0, they, they gifted them too many opportunities. By the time it gets to 4-1, yes, you could say, shut up shop, don't concede anymore. But at 0-0, when you're playing against Chelsea and you've already been caught out once playing out from the back, to then continue to do it and keep getting caught out, I think for me that showed incredible defensive naivety. And yes, you have your style of play that you want to play out from the back. But when it's against that Chelsea team that's catching you and setting traps every single time it's kind of who from that back line that goalkeeper that holding midfield area who's going to take control of the situation and say look this isn't working yes it's the game plan but do we go against the game plan and think look I've got to go long I've got to release some of this pressure and we'll have the conversation at half time when we're still one nil down or do we keep trying it and go in at half time three nil down and think gosh we're now completely out the game that's interesting then. So I, I wondered, is the reason that that didn't happen, in your opinion, because these players have got a new manager in Mark Skinner, this is the way he wants to play, they're wanting to impress him, they're wanting to get a starting place week in, week out, and they don't want to be that player that goes against what's been issued as a game plan? Yeah, potentially. But I think it takes strong leadership qualities from players to think, I need to do what's right for the team Yes, I've been told, I've been given instructions, but it's not working. So how do you control that on the pitch? The manager can't come on to the pitch and tell you, look, it's not working at the moment. We need to stay in the game. We need to do something different. It might take a strong character to say, look, I need to change this. I need to do something different. It might be that somebody has to go down injured, buy themselves a little bit of time be able to go over to the sideline and Mark might have said to them look stick to what we're doing it's the game plan it's how I want us to play we might make mistakes we might concede goals but it's a learning curve but at the same time you might say look switch it up because we're under the cosh and we're conceding goals and we need to stay in this game but for me there wasn't that leadership on the pitch to necessarily take control of that situation and stop it unraveling. That's an interesting point Shiv I mean let's just take a step back a minute he got it wrong for this game, but United have still recorded two wins out of three for the season. Those two wins coming against Leicester and Reading. And, you know, I suppose putting a positive spin on it, Mark Skinner at the end of the game said, well, uh, I now get to see everything I need to see. You know, now now I can turn the next page in my what do I need to work on book. So I wonder how much of a horror show it is for him. Just a quick one to note, by the way, on post-match comments, Emma Hayes saying that she didn't think Chelsea passed the ball very well. Poor by our standards in the first half was the line that she said to BBC Sport. I expect another level and I think we're a better team than we've ever been, she said, uh, and that the side were miles better than last year. So that kind of um, a little bit of tough love there from Emma Hayes, I suppose. What do you make of what both managers said post-match? I think talking about what Emma Hayes said... That's why she's such a good manager, because when her players are on a high, she brings them back down. She doesn't let them get too carried away. She she drives those standards so high that even if you win a game scoring six goals, 
she brings you back down. She said, no, we've got to be better. But sometimes when it's a poor performance, they lose one nil, they maybe didn't deserve to lose. She can then boost them up, say, well, we played really well. We didn't deserve to lose. We've got to take the positives. So for me, Emma Hayes is, is fantastic at working out how to manage her players, how to manage their expectations and keep them on that level that keeps driving them further forward for, for more success. When you go back to what, what Mark spoke about, I agree with him. It's, it's a learning curve for them all. He came in quite late in pre-season, wouldn't have had a lot of time spent with them. So it's a it's a hit the ground running situation. They had two decent games to start with, got two good results. But playing against Chelsea for any team is it's a different kettle of fish altogether, isn't it? The the players you're up against, you look at their bench, it's it's ridiculous. And it will be a learning curve for them all to learn how Mark wants them to play, how they can engage with, with different scenarios and how they how they react to different situations, what he wants them to do. And it's not the ideal situation to, to have to do that against Chelsea when you're conceding six. But as he said, you'll learn more about your players in that kind of situation than you will with them having a comfortable win against Leicester. You know what I'm expecting now when he does come up against Arsenal, for instance... I suppose that will be another huge clash for Manchester United that that he has taken that on board because we saw with Willie Kirk the first two games we know that Everton had really tough ones Manchester City um, and Chelsea you don't want those as your opening two fixtures but he persisted in playing that new system he wanted to try and have three at the back and it was only against Birmingham that he relented and said you know what it's too much change too quickly I'm going to go back to the system that everyone knows a back four and they got the the victory over the line it feels with this footballing philosophy that managers in the league now are trying to implement and stamp out that they're ignoring the fact that there has to be an element of versatility depending on the opposition and that's what I was reading into those post-match comments is that hopefully Mark Skinner takes that away and thinks, well, you know, this is how we want to play majority of matches, but there might be some instances where we have to change it up. Yeah, I think so. Uh, look, it's not just Birmingham next, by the way. Quick, quick footnote for me. Their next WSL game is the Manchester Derby. Uh, what a game to come back to for league action. That's on Saturday 9th of mm. October. Well, still to come, we'll be hearing from an Everton contingent. We've got Izzy Christensen speaking to us, but next we cover Spurs against Reading. This is the Athletic Women's Football Podcast with Kate Borsay and Lindsay Hooper. Let's focus then on Spurs, who continued their 100% record with a 1-0 win over Reading with Jessica Naz, the scorer. Uh, 22 shots in this one for Spurs. And I feel like, Kate, maybe you and I in particular, owe them a little <laughs> apology. Have we underestimated oh, them on this show? Gosh, I mean, look. Fair play to them. Fair play to Spurs. Um, yes, I do think we underestimated them. I think Spurs have been great at just getting on with doing what they need to do. And us, you know, all the chatter about Everton's new signings, about Mark Skinner at Manchester United, the usual hubbub and noise around Chelsea, Man City and Arsenal. And Spurs have just done their thing and fair play to them as well, actually. Um, we should note as well that Reading weren't great in this one. They had just one on target. That makes a total of four for the season. Uh, Tash Dowie did feature in the game, by the way, for Reading, but um, uh, she'll be wanting to do better than that. If we're talking about Spurs, pressure early on from them, Linz, Kit Graham, Chiyomu Mbogu, uh, another chance uh, later on in the second half for Kit Graham too. So Spurs, Spurs made all those chances count I guess and ultimately got the result because of that um, I'd be interested to hear Shiv's take on Spurs as well and what Rahan Skinner's doing there yeah and I, I wanted to say this Shiv because we've been bleating on about the 22 shots but I know when speaking to a goalkeeper that you are going to be telling us how impressed you are with them defensively yeah I think that's the biggest thing you can get results if you can keep clean sheets to start with and if you can be resilient as, as a defensive unit but I think I think for Spurs they've they've had two games, two wins against Birmingham and Reading, which are teams that are in and around them at the moment, and they're the games that they need to be focusing on winning. They're the they're the games where they need to pick up the points. They're the important matches for them. And then to get shock results against the, the likes of Manchester City, they're your they're your, like your your big matches that, that you think 
There's no pressure on us to go here and win. But if we're winning the games against the teams around us, if we can get points there, you can relax a little bit more. You can enjoy it. And, and they definitely did that against Manchester City. But against Reading, to be able to keep a clean sheet against them is great. But as you said, Reading, Reading are definitely struggling going forwards and they haven't got a point on the board so far this season and they're going for a bit of a transition at the moment, aren't they? And I think it could be a difficult season for them. Not only not a point on the board, but both of you, they've not even had a goal yet in WSL. Should we be worried about Reading? I want to aim this at Shiv, actually, Shiv, because you'll know as well as us, Reading's heritage, the fact that they're always in or around the middle of the table. They do a great job on not a huge budget. Their players are kind of on the older side, I suppose. They always make some very savvy savvy signings um, who are kind of, you know, towards reaching the end of their career. How, How worried are you about Reading this season? I think Reading should have enough this season. They've got players that can win them games. They've obviously got Diane Rose that's coming in, Natasha Dowie, Van Havermark from from Belgium. They've got those players that they want to integrate into their lineup. I think when those players come in, they will add a different dimension to them, especially going forwards and attacking. And and that's been their biggest problem at the moment. They 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 can't score goals. They can't even create chances. But as you said, that the older kind of nature of their players. The, the the changes that they've had over the last few years. Obviously, you had Joe Potter, Jade Moore, Farrah Williams, and Harry James. Those players are all big key players for them that have been around the WSL for a long period of time. They understand how to how to be savvy in matches, how to get matches over the line when you when you're under the cosh. They they know how to work the WSL and and they're a bigger loss probably. Than, than people necessarily thought they that they would be originally. Mm, yeah, and and it feels like there's a lot on Brooke Chaplin's shoulders now. She she's absolutely boss in midfield, and when she's she's in there doing it, great. But yeah, like you say, when she looks around her, she probably hasn't got as much experience as she once had. Uh, shall we move on, Kate? Yeah, just to say quickly, we have our old adage of a team needing three wins to stay in the league. If that remains this season, Spurs are already safe. Just quick sort of info point from Mm. me there. Well, Everton got their first win of the season as they beat Birmingham 3-1. Fortunately, we've got someone who was not only there, but on the pitch as well to tell us all about the game. Everton midfielder Izzy Christiansen. Izzy, first win of the season. It must be really good to get that under your belt. Yeah, really important. It's been a tough start. So it was, yeah, I think the main thing was getting the points on the board and getting up and running and yeah, three three good goals as well. So um, we'll be looking to kick on from here without a doubt. What did you think about the performance? And were there any nerves? I mean, you're you've so experienced at this. You'll have detected if there were some around you. Well, no, for me personally, no. I actually on my way to the game, I got stuck on the M62. For, it, it just the motorway shut. And I people wanting fuel, I expect. <laughs> well, yeah, but. I was I checked them out before I left and I basically I was going to be late to the team meeting which is something that really really riles me up even when it's out of my control um especially on a match day so for me any nerves I had going into the game were sort of overcrowded by just trying to get to the game when I got there I was fine I was chilled um but from yeah from a personal point of view I didn't feel any pressure we spoke about this uh in the debrief uh on Sunday that we had and I just made a point that and even when Birmingham equalised, I didn't really feel worried at all that we weren't going to get back in the game because I felt like we would. So, yeah, it was, um, it was obviously a bit of pressure there, I think. But we'd had a really good week's training and, um, yeah, we just have to kick on and keep moving forward. Willie Kirk said after the game, Izzy, that you couldn't underestimate the pressure that the side felt going into the game. Of course, that kind of might not have been all of you and you will wear your pressure differently. Was there anything that you did as a team, though, whether it was trying to wipe the slate clean before this game or anything particular you did, just to sort of try and temper those nerves a little bit, temper the pressure? Well, the the games after an international uh, window were always quite difficult because everyone's uh, coming from all sorts of areas of Europe, different flights, different arrival times back in the UK. So there's a challenge there for the staff to to devise a schedule for the week that's going to prepare you as best as possible for the weekend game. 
we had players coming back. We adjusted our training schedule on the Thursday. And I think as a group of players, we, we made a real conscious effort to, to stick together. I think post-Chelsea game, everyone was pretty, I mean, not going to lie, we were rock bottom because two 4-0 defeats in the opening uh, opening two weeks of a WSL season isn't great at all. And it's not what we'd worked towards. And obviously we'd known, that we'd known there's been a lot of hype around Everton women because of the, uh, the signings that we'd made. But we're not concerned with that. We just knew the most important thing is to, is to get a result. And that's what we did. And I just say that what we did mostly as a team was we really rallied up and got together and we stuck together. We believed uh, in each other and we, we put forward our, our, our views and our feelings and we had some honest conversations and all, all with the benefit of moving forwards. And I think the result on, on Saturday, sorry, was, was really important. At the match on the Sky Sports commentary, Izzy, I was I was listening to some interesting points that were being made, and and one of them was to do with the strength that you have in the team in terms of height. I mean, I'm thinking of Govan when she came on as well, and it was mentioned that Everton should be one of the leading forces when it comes to set pieces in the WSL. Is that something that you collectively agree with, and that you're wanting to try and bring that into the game more? I think. We know that the difference, especially in international football, the importance of set pieces. But equally now, I would say in the WSL in club football, there's there's the same amount of emphasis on them because they can define games um, when it's tight. It's something which we work on consistently. We never go sort of out of the way to work on, on things. From a set piece point of view, we've got our structure built into our weekly schedule, which we, which we use and we just have to make sure that, well, I think it starts with the quality of delivery on a set piece, especially on attacking, defending. It's all about it, it's just who wants it more. But we've got some, yeah, we've got some pretty good aerial threats. Valerie Govan, Rika Svecki, Natalie Bjorn, Gabby George, yeah, to say the least. And then there's also other players that are good in the air who you might not think, like um, Dan Turner's really good in the air. So, yeah, we do have a lot of threats. We're lucky to have have those tools in our locker and. Um, yeah, we just have to keep moving forward. One of the challenges, as you've alluded to, is the new signings settling in. Plenty of new signings, but actually for Leonie Meyer to have a first goal, uh, Hannah Benison as well to get on the school sheet. Lots of things achieved in this game, I think. And actually a lot of the players, I'm sure Izzy will be glad to just get up and running with a few of those firsts. You had a hand in the first goal. It was your corner that led to Savecki's uh, injury time winner as well. So uh, you had your part in it. How does it feel like everyone's clicking together? I know when we've spoken to teams previously, sort of during COVID times, it's been hard because of COVID bubble um, bubbles for teams to perhaps do as much bonding, to perhaps to perhaps be able to get together as much as you normally would sort of pre-season. Yeah, it's been difficult. I think last season even more difficult a lot of new signings I think there's six or seven this season nine but we're obviously faced with a little bit more reality now that we can well go out for dinner or you can go and sort of do a team building day or something like that so we're we're faced with those but but for me the most important thing is the common goal towards towards what you want to achieve as a team on the pitch and everyone's application has been excellent um we obviously had the the Swedish girls Hannah Natalie and, and Anna joining us late because of their success in the Olympics. Um, so they only had maybe 10 days to, to two weeks, perhaps pre-season before beginning the season. So there's been a lot of changes and I think a lot of expectation on them. And they felt the pressure. They felt, I think they've sort of felt a bit mentally drained from, from the build-up. And obviously it's hard enough changing clubs as it is, let alone changing countries. So you've got to be mindful of all these factors that contribute towards a player uh, being able to settle in properly. But we we just have to make sure that we're working towards something which is a common goal, which is being as successful as we can. And, and everyone's integrating well. It was a real positive for the team, especially Leonie Mayer coming back. Um, she obviously, it's, it's hard coming into a new team, but to come in and get injured straight away is, is obviously difficult. I've been there before. It's not an easy situation because you then feel detached from the team and you're trying to integrate at the same time. So Leonie, um, I mean, watching her do her rehab, uh, she's a, yeah, she's a top professional. It was no surprise for me to see how well she played on, on Saturday, a real asset for us. And, uh, that's only half of what she can do as well. So really good to have her back. 
we know how desperate you were for the result at the weekend. And then you go into the next game and the tables are turned because you're going up against a team in Reading who equally are going to be desperate for a result. So how do you approach having just come off the back of, of that feeling yourself going into a game against Reading? Um, for me, I'm, I don't know if I'm living in a false world here, but I'm not really feeling any pressure. I'm not really feeling any um concern about playing against Reading. Reading have always been a very strong team to play against in terms of their determination, their fight and their the system that they play. Um, yeah, they're always going to pose a, a strong threat, but I'm really focused on us and myself in, in my performance with Everton. I know that's a real sort of textbook answer, but um, yeah, I'm not really feeling any worry or any concern. I'm just focused on the next step and making sure that we... We build on that result against Birmingham at the weekend. We need some advice from you as well, Izzy. Linz has just got a puppy, <laughs> Billy, and um, I think you have a dog too, don't you, Stella? So yeah. Uh, yeah. Linz has been already been, before we started recording, telling you about picking up Pooh. Um, have you got a little <laughs> bit of advice for her on dealing with a puppy? Because I presume Stella's a little bit older, is she now? So you've sort of gone through most of that puppy stage. Yeah, Stella's in a real mature phase of her life right now. She <laughs> has a puppy. I mean, it's funny because I didn't really know what I was doing when I was training her. Um, but I kind of saw it as how I'd maybe raise a child with... Uh, oh, me discovery. too. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it's my fur baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think with a puppy, like, I try not to be too controlling. I think let the puppy discover things and be really firm and assertive when they're doing something like nibbling a skirting board or the side of a sofa or something like that which is not what you want them to do um I just remember yeah I just remember being like that with Stella um but yeah she's um yeah she's grown up and she's she's a bit of a princess I'm not gonna lie but I'd rather have her that way than be naughty (laughs) you can shed some light for me actually so am I gonna find puppy teeth around the house they actually lose their teeth do they this is what my mum said, but I, I just have never heard of it before. If you could see Izzy's face right now, by the way, listeners, she's like, what? I feel like this is fake news, fake news. I don't, I don't know. Actually, I don't know. I don't remember Stella losing any teeth. I think my mum's been winding me up. She said, I'll find little baby teeth. It does, it does sound like jokes, Linz. I've never heard of puppy teeth. <laughs> Google that one. Get off this. Can um, Stella play football, is he? She's actually a really good one for one defender. It's good practice. Yeah. During lockdown, I, yeah, it was getting a bit desperate with my running training that I was doing. And I thought, right, I've got to pick up a ball again. And then just doing keepy ups with Stella, like she just, yeah, she, she disrupts your flow every time. And you start dribbling. She's actually quite good at catching the ball in her paws. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. Billy, Billy's showing early signs of being more of a goalkeeper, I have to say. That's probably oh, okay. because you put him in goal, Lindsay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Blasted no, them at him. <laughs> Everton midfielder Izzy Christiansen. then. Let's talk about Birmingham briefly. Shiv, yet to register a point. But as we've alluded to, Reading and Leicester are in the same position. Um, both nothing registered yet. Scott Booth credited his side for the spells that they spent in possession in this game. What have you made of Birmingham this season? I think for me, Birmingham are potentially the the team that will find it most difficult in the league this season. I think they've recruited a few players, but they're really lacking WSL experience at at the top level. I think sometimes teams that are lower down that, that are struggling can recruit well, they can recruit players that have got a lot of WSL experience and we've seen with Reading over the years how vital and how important that can be. That They've got they've got young players, they've got a few players that are new to the WSL. I think for me that they probably will be the team that struggle the most. Um, Emily Ramsey, who I, who I know really well from, from Manchester United, she's a really, really, poten- has so much potential as, as a goalkeeper coming through. It'll be a an interesting season for her because I'm sure she'll be under the cosh quite a bit. So developmentally for, for a young goalkeeper, it, it should be an exciting season, but I can see it being quite a difficult season for Birmingham this year. I, I can't disagree that it's going to be a struggle. What I will say is 
watch out for Birmingham second half of the season. I think they're going to struggle between now and Christmas. I think Scott Booth's still trying to cement his views and philosophy going forward um, from speaking to him post-match as well. There were encouraging signs to take from this one. Although Everton got three goals, um, it was pretty tight for a lot of the match. It was towards the end of the game that Everton managed to to get clear. So he will have seen enough, I think, to think that when you spoke earlier, Kate, about how many victories you need to stay in the league, he'll start targeting that. But if they are going to get them Personally, I believe that will be in the second half of the campaign because I think that this team's coming together. When he took them over, they only had two full-time players. Uh, Louise Quinn is immense. Honestly, she'll get her head in front of anything. She was strapped up, had blood running down at one point and you just think wow she really reminded me of, of Bass actually when we saw her in the World Cup with the the black eye Kate um, she just you know will just crack on with it and very good player but they need time and the thing that they don't have right now the season is underway they don't have time watch out second half of the season that is their best bet at trying to stay in this league I think the thing for me is when you talk about the second half of the season, you've got clubs potentially around them at the moment, like Reading, who you've got those attacking players that are going to come back in. I think they'll have enough to get themselves out of there. And then you've obviously got Leicester, who have got so much backing from the men's club that if they if they look at it in that kind of January transfer window break that they need a little bit more, they've probably got the investment to say, we'll sign a couple more players that's going to make the big difference. Has Birmingham got that ability to invest and bring in a couple of big players if they need it at that point in time to to make that difference in the second half of the season I think other teams might have the ability to kind of step away if they need to and if they need to invest in a couple of players to do that very true very true well, let's talk about other teams that might have been in our conversations when we talk about potential teams in trouble at the start of the season. However, both Brighton and Aston Villa have surprised us. Uh, Brighton conceded their first goal of the season. They were defeated by Aston Villa, Carla Ward's side, who sit third in the table. Um, and I thought Aston Villa looked really good in this one. I don't think there was anything necessarily particularly wrong with Brighton. It just seemed that Villa made the most of their day here, Shiv. Yeah, and I think the big difference was scoring the goal when Emily Glynette was through on goal. It was a fantastic finish. And I think that's the key thing for clubs in and around the, the, those those areas of the league. Who is going to have the goal scorer that's going to be clinical, going to be ruthless? Because yes, we know at the top end, you've got goal scorers that have got ridiculous numbers. But when you go to those teams that are, that are outside that top five, who's going to take the, the league by the scruff of the neck and say, I'm going to score you your 10, 12 goals this season. And that's, that's the team that's going to step out of that group and push higher up. And for Aston Villa, they, they could have found that number nine. Mm, I, I was slightly surprised that Brighton um, lost this one. It felt like they were going to be content getting a draw and it was just that quality finish that was a difference. I mean, Emily Gilnick's right foot. Wow. Can't half leather it, can she? Yeah, Hope actually did bring on a load of attacking players in the second half, Linz. It just didn't quite click for them. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I think you just have to put that down to bad day at the office. And um, and we'll finish off with West Ham next, who didn't have a bad day at the office. A pretty good one. Um, I think that this raised more question marks over Leicester City, actually, although I don't want to take the credit away from West Ham. But they were 4-0 winners. They got their first win uh, of the season and they eased to it over Leicester City. It was a first home win in 13 attempts for West Ham. They did show signs in the the match with Aston Villa, actually, that home was going to be a better place for them. They only got a draw that that day. They could have got a potential win against Villa, but this time they were they were more clinical. I mean, what what do you take away, Shiv, from this? Are you thinking more about Leicester, or are you thinking that West Ham have improved drastically? I think West Ham have definitely improved. I think I was really impressed with. Um... Brins Dottier, if I've pronounced her name correctly, when she came in last season, I think she she does a really, really good job for them in the middle of the park. And I think she improved them a lot. Um, I also think Yallop coming in has done well. And they've brought in, they've recruited quite smartly and they've recruited experience. And, and a bit more of that will help them to, to see games out 
and, and to get those points on the board that will make them feel a little bit more comfortable going into the second half of the season. But for them to score four goals, yes, two of them were own goals, which which are mistakes and you can't necessarily account for them. But it's a comfortable win for them against a team that's there and thereabouts uh, alongside them that, that you would think. It's a great marker for them to put down. Uh, but for, for Leicester, it's slightly worrying to lose 4-0 to a, a team that's not really scored a lot of goals, not got a lot of points on the board. It is a, a worrying sign for them. But it's a steep learning curve. We we saw it coming, back, coming up from the Championship straight into the WSL. It's a big jump and it will be a very tough season for Leicester City. Yeah, I think perhaps we might have underestimated that a little bit. And let's not take away, by the way, uh, from a fantastic day for West Ham fans witnessing this 4-0 win. And there was plenty of chances for both sides as well. So let's not you know, forget that this was a really entertaining fixture. West Ham definitely bossed the day, but there were chances um, for Leicester and a good day to be a West Ham fan there. I think that that's exactly the result they needed uh, just to lift their spirits and start progressing on now with the season. Leicester play Manchester City with that list of injuries in the FA Cup next. Oh, this would be quite telling, wouldn't it, if Leicester could get a result over City? Do you think they'll fancy that, Shiv, given given the injuries that, that City have? Are Leicester going to think, right, we've got to go for a win in a, in a match that potentially previously they would have wanted to just try and sit back and defend? I think if Leicester do come out, go all guns blazing, I think Manchester City will have too much for them. I think Leicester have still got to treat Manchester City with the respect that they deserve. That that They've had a couple of bad results, yes, but they've still got a lot of talented players. And I think if um, Leicester open up gaps for them and, and go all out attack, thinking that they can get at them like Arsenal did, then they could be punished quite quite drastically there. But if they do put on a resilient defensive performance and try and get the odd breakaway goal, I think they could frustrate Manchester City. And as we've seen, that they're not in the brightest form at the moment, that they're not necessarily making good decisions. So by putting pressure on them and making it difficult for them, they could get a result. But for me, I think Manchester City will have too much for them. Well, word on the block uh, is that Manchester City um, have more uh, lack of personnel, playing personnel to be concerned about. Neither Ruby Mace nor Alana Kennedy can be registered for the Women's FA Cup quarterfinal game this week against Leicester as both played for clubs last season in the competition who remain in it because, of course, we're finishing up from last season, which is thoroughly confusing yeah. uh, for all <laughs> this is, Yeah, last year's FA Cup but, first, yeah. <laughs> Yes, last year's FA Cup. But there you go, potentially a little bit of good news uh, for Leicester City. And um, without dissing her too much, if I was Alana Kennedy, I might be quite glad to sit this one out (laughs) as well. I don't know. I wasn't convinced at all by her uh, in City's game at the weekend. Um, There's also a bit of team news as well. Rich Lavity's been crunching the numbers. Lynn's Lucy Quinn played for Tottenham, who are still in the competition. So she can't be registered by Birmingham City. That would be a huge miss, yeah, yeah. Yeah, same with Beth Rowe for Charlton, who played for Brighton. Let's have a look at the rest of these fixtures then. Brighton take on Charlton. I've just mentioned that one. Uh, You've got Birmingham City uh, at home. They're going to entertain Chelsea women and uh, North London midweek derby here as Arsenal take on Spurs. Shiv, looking at those fixtures, who's your bet for the semi-finals? I'm going to be really boring and go with all the favourites. I think you've got to go... Brighton, Manchester City, Arsenal and Chelsea. Unfortunately, I don't see a, a an underdog story here. But if one did, it would be a fantastic occasion for them, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I can see past that either. I, I mean, it would be a big ask for Charlton, I think. But they're, they're probably the underdogs, aren't they, that everyone wants to get behind. Um, slight bit of transfer news as well before we finish. Uh, Leicester City, they've signed a Slovenian youth international, Luana Zajimi, um, until we get the player pronunciation guide. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> uh, she's a 19-year-old midfielder, part of a side that won the Slovenian top flight Zenska Liga last season. It was visa delays over the summer that led to a hold-up in her being able to sign, but she has done so could be one uh, that we'll see over the forthcoming weeks um that is all that we've got time for today shiv uh, thanks very much for joining us uh, what are you looking forward to most over the the next week or so 
Well, I would say relaxing and having some downtime, but I actually have a a master's assignment that I have to do and also a one-year-old to look after. So (laughs) just maybe getting five minutes just to chill out, that would be my my highlight of the week. (laughs) They always say, Shiv, that you get the most done when you're busy. You never, ever achieve more than when you're absolutely under the cosh. So there you go. Master's yeah. done, childcare done. You'll be absolutely <laughs> yeah, if you fine. Need a, if, if you need a favour, ask a busy person, they always say. Because if you ask if you yes, ask someone who's yes. sat on their backside most of the time, they won't be bothered to, to help you out. But someone who's running around like a blue-ass fly, they will do it. That's why I always call on you, Kate, isn't it? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I wondered why. Uh, speaking of busy people, where are you off to next, Linz? Uh, so I've got two games coming up um, at the weekend. I'm at Chelsea, um, first time at Kings Meadow this season on Saturday, and then on Sunday at Birmingham, which they're playing their matches at St Andrews. So that will again be new for me because I won't have seen Birmingham play at St Andrews um, in terms oh. of women's side. So yeah, that will be interesting too. I'll see you at Chelsea. Great stuff, Shiv. Hopefully we won't need our umbrellas for the photo this time. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I'm getting jealous of you meeting up with everyone. Shiv, Sue Smith, I've seen a pit. Anyway, Aww. I'll be out there soon enough. Um, well, there you go. Look forward to seeing both of you on the box again soon. Uh, we'll give you all the latest from those FA Cup games as well when we speak again next week. That's it for this week's The Athletic Women's Football Podcast. You've been listening to The Athletic Women's Football Podcast. You can listen ad free via The Athletic app. Keep up to date with everything we're doing by going to The Athletic UK or at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and on Insta. And you can find out the latest subscription offers by heading to theathletic.com forward slash WSL pod. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast was an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.